Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal Credit Union helps you take control of your finances after the holidays. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, Buttercup. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. Thank you guys so much for coming back every single week, listening to the show, sharing it everywhere you share it, following us on YouTube. It means a lot. Marcus, what's up, dude? You know, it's holiday season. It is. That's a big deal around here. You, uh... You got big, big plans for Christmas? Have y'all decided what you're doing yet? Oh, yeah. Well. Kind of? I know what my job is to bring the holiday spirit. From I mean, when December 1st, when that sucker rolls around. Actually, now it's before Thanksgiving. Have you ever noticed that you go, my, well, let me back it up. My whole New Year's resolution is to keep my spirit, see how long I can keep my Christmas spirit all the way through the year. And if and I can lose it the second day or the third day or if I can carry it all the way through. But have you ever noticed that, that when the year kicks your butt, and then the, the, when the holiday season rolls around, you got Halloween, which everybody dresses up like goblins and ghouls, because that's kind of how like you're feeling at the end yep, of the year. Yep. And then you got Thanksgiving, where all the family gets together, and that's chaos and pain. I mean, everyone's arguing, and, and it's just this melting pot of wonder, wonderfulness. I think you know, yep. I, I love it. And then immediately following that is the nicest time of the year. That's I never thought about it that way. So, I I know I hadn't either, but it, it, it's. As I stepped back and I looked at it, I was like, man, no matter how much my, my year kicked me in the face, Thanksgiving always made it, uh, kind of stepped it off, even the arguing there. And then the, that next month, holiday season, all, all, actually through the year, is, is kind of the best time. So I, I enjoy this, this part of it. Well, I've got a crazy Patreon question for you. I say it's crazy. It's not that crazy. But it, here it is. What is the weirdest thing you have ever eaten? Hmm. I've been thinking about that, man. I don't know. Intentionally? Accidentally? Weirdest thing. Weirdest well, Elijah, thing. you got anything on that one? I mean, like fear factor kind of like bugs and snakes and all that stuff like that. Is that considered weird? Because I do that. That's just survival. And, you know, rattlesnake tastes, <laughs> tastes, tastes good. Alligator tastes good. Uh, weirdest thing I've ever eaten. Weirdest yeah. thing. I, like I, I had a chocolate covered cricket once. Nah, I didn't count. <laughs> Swallow bug driving down the road. Yeah, it's a yeah, not without the chocolate. <laughs> My first time I ever rode a dune buggy. My first ever oyster was with Brad and Melanie's family on vacation, 
And I thought that that was the weirdest. Well, no, I know that was the weirdest thing I had ever eaten at that time of my life. I've since uh, been cultured and uh, enjoy oysters, but at the time, that was definitely the weirdest thing I'd ever eaten. I don't know. The military gave me some 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 food and some pills that, that that made me grow real tall and gain a lot of weight and and turn mean and it weird stuff up and so probably something like that I guess I don't know. Is there? Oh, how, okay. In all your adventures overseas, was there ever a type of food or in a certain country that you remember that was really weird or gross or anything like that? God, man, I tell you what, a goat cheese. If I smell that now. And it's it, it's not a I don't know what happened but I guess I do so when in the mountain after I got they, the the villagers rescued me and they had me in there they would they had that flatbread so when I when I was hungry they'd bring me the bread but every now and again I'd get they I, they would bring me a piece of meat and some and it was in the middle of warm goat's milk Ugh. I came in that and I was my stomach was just messed up oh man. dude and I, gross yeah. I couldn't even keep it down. As hungry as I was, I just for whatever reason, and, and ever since then, that it, it's not that doesn't sound weird, but I mean that that has a reaction on me. That'll man. put your stomach in knots. Oh, yeah. yeah, Elijah, did you say you had one? Uh, I really don't. I, I'm kind of a picky eater, so you know, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a barbecue guy, but that's not really weird food. But, yeah, no, we love barbecue yeah. down here. Oh yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, the questions. Sometimes we do a great job answering them. Sometimes, you know, we just don't know where to go with it. But patreon.com slash team never quit. You can ask, at, ask, you can ask yo questions. Uh, you can get exclusive yes, access to behind the scenes content, some bonus swag, a cool challenge coin, all kind of other great stuff. We have got a great guest in store. Elijah Stacy is the founder of the 501c3 nonprofit Destroy. Deshan and the author of A Small If. He is determined to advance gene editing and gene therapy to save his life, his brother's life, and the lives of thousands of people around the globe who have been diagnosed with DMD. Elijah, welcome to the show, man. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. All right, brother. Uh, usually, you, most people come on here got a little age on them. You're still kind of young. So for me and you to be sitting in the same room together says a lot about you. One, congratulations. I'm sorry you had to go through all that. You're going through it, but good job for going through it because that, that's what separates us from everybody else, man. Those of us who got to kind of take the weight and push through it. And I, I've heard a lot of stuff about you, man. Uh, I'm interested in learning more. So exp explain to me exactly what it is you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, so when I was six years old, I was officially diagnosed with the shin muscular dystrophy. And uh, what this disease is, is it's a muscle wasting disease. So as time goes on, uh, you lose muscle function. So when I was about five years old, we noticed that I was walking on my tippy toes. I was not, I was not able to keep up with my peers. I was falling to the floor frequently. Um, you know, I wasn't able to like, play sports and just anything like that. So we noticed that there was something, there was something wrong with me. Right. And we just didn't know what it was. So went to tons of doctors appointments, you know, all these adults, you know, cause I'm a little kid, I'm five and they're all, you know, talking to me, you know, can you do this? You know, I remember one of the stories um, that really stuck out to me is my doctor, he wanted me to take my clothes off and just remain in my underwear. And, you know, as a five-year-old, that was kind of like embarrassing, humiliating. Sure. I mean, you need to see how I walked, right? Because that's a real common way to, to see if you have the shin or not. And, you know, we did blood work. Did you know what was going on? I mean, at five, what, what were you thinking? Yeah. You know, honestly, I didn't really know. Like people would always like, look, when I was five or six, people would come up to me all the time and say, you know, why do you walk like that? Um, some people make fun of me, you know, why are you, you know, walking on your toes, you know, stuff like that. And I never really had an answer for people. I never could say like, I have this disease or whatever. So I had no clue. Um, 
but people were always asking me, you know, what's, what's wrong with you? So I didn't really know what was going on, but I knew that there was something different about me. Cause you know, I was, you mean, just you just like pronate that you're, you're, you were on your toes all the time. Yeah. Like- yeah. You walk on your tippy toes. The reason, the reason why is because you lose muscle function. So my, my cats are super large, right? I was like going to ask you, uh, and I didn't mean to, to to jump in the jokes too early, but if you got a good sense of humor about it, I was like, man, because we walk around our calves to, or our toes to make your calves huge. Yep, yep. So you're no, one of those I, guys, right? That could fill up some rubber boots. Your calves are so damn big, like look like catfish bellies. No, for real, they're they're right? really really large. Um, <laughs> Why is that? Is it is it the Achilles tendon? Is that where it starts? Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's all over the place, but, but the reason why is because, you, you know, you lose muscle uh, function or you're, so you're losing muscle and in order to compensate for the muscle loss, you're going to walk on your toes because you still want to function, right? You still want to walk. So right. that's what your body just kind of does with this disease. You're going to do whatever it takes to, to walk. And so then it just naturally happens, but all boys would just they'll walk on their tippy toes. It's one of the most common things that you see. So yeah, I have like really, really large calves. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't really understand what was going on, but I just went to all these doctor's appointments, missed a lot of school, got behind in school. And that became a whole other challenge as well. Um, and it, it didn't seem fair because it's like, I have to do all this makeup work after school, even though I'm going to doctor's appointments, you know? And so just a lot of things happening early on in my life. And so this is obviously back just, when they couldn't pick that up that fast. Cause you said if, that, if walking on your tiptoes was a common sign of that, there's mm-hmm. none of the doctors could pick that up right away. Or you, or, or you did find out right away. Well, they, they picked it up, but you know, you had to go through like the official like diagnosis sure. process right, right, or whatever. Right. So like they eventually would do a, a muscle biopsy on me. And, um, it's kind of a funny story. They, they, you know, so they, my, my parents tell me, Oh, we're going to, I think they told me that we're going to like, I think they told me we're going to Disneyland or they said something like that. And so I thought, oh, okay, you know, so we're going to the hospital and I, I go inside there and, you know, I realized, oh, we're actually at a hospital. And so then I go under, um, they do the surgery on me to, you know, take a piece of muscle out of me to, to test it. And I remember after I woke up, I woke up and I stood up out of the bed and I was like, I can walk. I'm fine. I can walk. I'll show you right now. I can walk. Because I knew that they were questioning that there's something wrong with my walking. And, and I didn't like when people would tell me, oh, yeah, you can't do this or that. It gives me like great motivation to prove them wrong. Yeah. And so I was like a, a five, six-year-old kid, you know, I'm I'm staying up in the hospital room saying, no, I can walk and trying to prove it. And they're like, they have the nurses come in like, you know, you need to calm him down, get him, you know, to, to chill out and lay in the bed. You know, you can't be walking right now. You're going to like ruin all the, you know, the stitches in your leg or whatever. So uh, that's when I was officially diagnosed though, was when I was six years old. So what are the protocols for that? Like, what do you do? Like, what do you do from there? Like, yeah, I mean, what, so when you when finding out one thing that that's that's kind of just putting a label on something that you knew was going on. So what is it that you do from there? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's pretty terrible news. Um, a lot of you'll hear a lot of parents say basically it sounds like a, a death sentence, right? Because um, it is. It's a fatal disease. Most Everybody dies, though, man. So I mean, looking at it from your perspective, from what you've done, people always say that. People always say, "Ah, oh, it's, it's the death." It's like, "Man, we got to die anyways. You got to get out of here somehow. If you're just putting the straps on me, this, this is how you're doing it. Then that's how we're going to do it." It's usually yeah. doctors that tell you that crap. You know what? I mean, they're, they're they're the ones that feed lines, and they fed you that line, and you didn't buy it. No, not at all. I mean, you know, we, my family and I. So the way my parents have raised me and everything, I, I have to say, like, they're amazing parents. I couldn't have asked for better parents because. You know, they never, ever went, oh, you know, you're going to be in a wheelchair and you're disabled and whatever. But instead, you know, my dad's a head fo- well, was a head football coach. So I was raised on the football field. So uh-huh. I have like that athlete's mindset of always trying to 
get better and improve yourself and, and whatever. So they really ingrained that into me as a, a little kid. They did it with my other brothers that have this disease too. And um, for me, I never took it that way, but you know, the, this, the protocol is, you know, you start to take a steroid, uh, which is called prednisone. And so what that's supposed to do is stop like inflammation with the disease and just trying to give you more strength, more energy, whatever, yeah. but it has terrible side effects, which suck, but you know, you have to deal, deal with it anyways. What are the side um, effects of prednisone? Uh, so like one of them would be like, uh, you retain a lot of water, you gain weight, uh, yeah. mood swings, um, uh, chubby cheeks, right. So yeah. stuff like that. Um, which, which suck, but I, I, I did, um, you know, that's basically it. That's all they basically have to do. I mean, you could do stretching, you could do like some light working out here and there, but there's no, there's no cure for the disease as of right now, but I'm hoping to. So to tell change. me what, tell, explain to me what it does. Like, so the minute you find out about it from, from when you're born and has it, is it affecting you other in, in what ways? So other than walking on your toes, cause you say you're a football player. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so my dad was a, uh, head football coach. And so, you know, I throw the football around all the time at, at practice, but what, so what the disease does typically, right? So you'll, you basically, you walk on your toes when you're a little kid, okay. right. And you fall the floor a lot. You're getting weaker in your legs. All right? right. That's basically the first thing to go. So what is and it? Then, they grow so strong. Your, so your, what is it? Your calves grow so strong that it makes your legs weak. Well, it's just cause you're overcompensating with another muscle. So you're really working the muscles that, you know, your calf muscles, cause you're walking on your toes. Right. But eventually your whole legs are going to give because the other parts of your leg are going to get weaker as well. So okay. I get, so is that what causes the rest of the leg? Is that what causes the rest of the leg to get weaker is just the fact that you're walking on your toes primarily? It's not, There's nothing in there that's eating up the, so, the muscle so, fibers or tendons or, or ligaments or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, actually the disease, it's a muscle wasting disease. So like the actual muscles are dying. Yes, right. So from lack of pain. use though. Uh, what did you say? Are they dying from a lack of use or for some, is it from something the disease is eating away itself? Right, right. Uh, no, so the, it's actually, um, the disease is actually, so inside your myocyte cells, right, your muscle cells, right. you have you have this basically uh, pillar-like structure, which is called dystrophin. Right. And what that does is it upholds the, the cell membrane. So like, it's like the pillar that upholds the roof. And what happens is, is if you don't have that roof, then a bunch of things are going to come into the inside of the house and destroy the inside of the house. Sure. So sure. with, with patients with uh, Duchenne, they don't have dystrophin. They don't have that pillar. So every time we contract our muscles, that roof like wiggles and it rips. And so then, you know, like, let's just say like rain and a bunch of things come inside the house and it damages the house and it ends up destroying the whole house. So that's the, what happens with a, a patient with Duchenne. Is the, it's a myofiber that you, you, that contracts. So basically what you're saying is, and for people to understand is the muscle kind of looks like a Twizzlers, right? And when that, when there's a sheen that goes over the top of that, the muscles, the, the fibrogen, I can't even remember the name of it now. It's been a while, but you, what you're saying is you don't have the structure on the inside of that to hold that out. Wow. And that's just from deterioration from lot, the, the, the disease in itself limits your ability to work those muscles out. So they deteriorate and it's, and that causes uh, more deterioration, right? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So, what's physical therapy like? Yeah, you're, I guess you're, that's what you're trying to compensate for, right? A lot of, you have to work the upper legs. Well, so I did a lot of physical therapy later on in my life, um, but that's just you know to remain flexibility, you know, because you don't want to get too stiff, you don't want to get too tight, um, stuff like that, and, and to maintain the strength that you do have because, like you know, like you said, like it can get even worse if you don't use the the muscles that are still. Um, available to use and so try to do that but um i guess going back to your original question like if you look at a whole life of 
a patient with Duchenne, you know, they, they lose mobility to walk around the age of 11. So when I was 11, that's when I went to a wheelchair full time. Um, and that's a lot of adaptation you're going to have to make, you know, getting out of bed, getting out of, you know, going to the toilet, the shower, um, getting into your car, um, the way people are going to view you, everything changes, right? When you're like 11 years old, going into a wheelchair. And then in your later teenage years, you start to lose mobility in your arms as well. So, you know, you went from, you know, for me, at least I was throwing the football around with my dad, uh, playing basketball in my wheelchair with my friends at recess, stuff like that. And, you, you know, you're going to lose that ability as well. And then what happens is when you're uh, in your later adult years, you start to experience um, trouble breathing and trouble with your heart. And the reason that is, is because your diaphragm is a muscle and so is your heart. And so those get attacked as well. So that's basically the whole bird's eye view of, of a life with Duchenne. So when you when you found out about it, I mean, what a lot of times when people get news such as like, like, when they, like the doc said, like a death sentence. But it's, I, either way you look at it, you had to live through it. Who was who pushed you in that direction? And you said that your brother, your, it's passed down with your siblings, right? Does your father have it? Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. No, no. So my, my parents don't have it. It's, it's carry it's X linked. So my mother carries it, but, uh, but they don't have the disease themselves. So they grandparents, your, your grandmother, anybody, we looked in our family. We didn't find anything there. You're the um, only, y'all, y'all are the first ones that have it. So we, we think so. I mean, it could, you know, we think so. I, I don't know um, exactly a, the specifics on that. It's an X variant, right? Yeah. So it's X, X, um, it's excellent. Yeah, so you're an so, X-Man. That's all right, man, because I call them our generation and all the guys like us X-Men. <laughs> we're different than everybody else. Everyone says that when you have a disability that that somehow hinders you in, in everything that you do, but it's actually not a disability. It's a distinct ability. Because once mm. you lock one thing down, everything else has to open up and grow, especially living down here because of how hard it is. Everything else and everyone else is trying to survive. So when you're born with a handcuff on 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 that's put on early, man, you just learn how to, to your instincts. You learn how to thrive and survive in other ways in other capacities. And right now, every, this whole place is going through a transition. You're still really young. I mean, what you learn every day, I, I can't even imagine. So to stay motivated like that, I mean, you got your brothers with you is everything you learn. Y'all passed out. Y'all many y'all close. 
I mean, we're a very, very close family. Um, what you said is exactly right. Um, you know, you definitely develop so many types of mindsets and attitudes towards adversity, which is, which is amazing, um, which I'd love to get into. Um, but my brothers, you know, my little brother, Kai, he's 14. He has the same disease as me. He's in a power wheelchair as well. Um, and then my other brother, Max, um, he was 14, but he actually passed away uh, in 2019. And so he's no longer with us, but he had to shin as well. What's interesting though, is my older brother, Will, he does not have the shin at all. He's completely healthy. He's actually in the military. Um, and so he, he's completely, he's completely healthy. And, and, and the reason why is because, you know, so it's X linked, you know, the father is going to decide the, you know, the, uh, biological sex of the offspring. And so, you know, um, you, so it's a 50, 50 chance, right. Coming from the mother. And yeah. so he got the, he got the good one and we, we got the bad ones, but that's how it turned out. Not bad. Different. Different. Okay. Yeah. That's what it was yes. explained to me in my family and the program that I went through and the way we were trained, man, is every, every crazy son of a gun that comes through our pipeline, man, is just an X man, an X factor, something different about him. Mm, mm. Somebody explained to it to me the other day, man, we're the guys with the pure hearts and the wicked minds <laughs> and that levels us out. And if you got that Professor X kind of mentality, you're in the wheelchair, you're, I can only imagine how, how sharp your mind is. Because when they start taking your body away from you, because that's what your body is. All your body is designed to do is carry your mind around to entertain that. It's just a vessel, period. And I, I mean, I got buddies in, that, that, uh, that have wheels all the time now. And then I got buddies who spend most of their time on, uh, in a chair, on wheels somehow, even when they have their legs. It's all how you look at life. With the technology we have this day and age, man, don't be surprised. You're not going to be walking. You'll be back up on your legs walking around. That <laughs> Iron Man suit and all that stuff coming out, that's a, that's a definite thing. So keep going, man. Tell me how, where, how you got to right now. What started with the book? Yeah, so um, like you said, you know, I learned a lot through all the adversity that I went through. So I wanted to write a book. I started actually writing it when I was 16, finished writing it when I was 17, and then I published it this year and I'm 20 years old now, you know, there's whole process or whatever, but I wrote the book because, well, I, I think I could really help people overcome their adversity. And that's what I'm all about. Right. So what I, what I say is this is, is my wheelchair is symbolic. My wheelchair symbolizes suffering. It symbolizes all the, you know, the different pain, emotional problems, you know, depression, anxiety, um, whatever somebody's going through, because suffering comes in all different types of ways. And I believe suffering is inevitable. Everybody's going to suffer at some point in their life. Right. If they're not suffering now, they're going to suffer one day. So, you, you know, you got to You got to be ready. You got to be prepared for it. Right. Um, and so the way I see it is the wheelchair symbolizes suffering, but I sit on top of my wheelchair. Right. So I'm symbolizing that you can overcome your adversity every single day. And I'm trying to show people that, you know, when I was in high school, I, you know, me going around or whatever, like just literally just seeing me and how I live my life and how I'm still trying to cure my disease, write a book, public speaking, trying to do great things for the world, not letting the, the disease or wheelchair hold me back. Right. I think that sends a really powerful message that people need to keep going and that they can be resilient, that they can overcome their suffering and that you're not going to take no for an answer. Right. It's just you're going to win. Like so, something that I'm huge on is like you got to you got to set your mind on something already. So like for me, I, I have my mindset on, on being great no matter what. So if it's like if there's a million things coming my way, I'm going to find a way to still make it happen. Like I don't care how, you know, in fact, I actually the type of guy who I actually get fired up the more adversity that I'm going to get coming my way. Cause then it's like, okay, this is even a harder challenge, but it's going to make the victory even better. Right. And so it's just like that fighter, you know, mindset, that fighter attitude. And, um, 
And that's, that's what I try to put inside the book. And that's, that's why I wrote it. You know, like there's, there's 13 life lessons in the book at the end of each, you know, chapter. And, and those lessons are things that I've learned that I think other people can learn as well. So like how to live a more fulfilling life, how to overcome adversity, um, just how to be like a better version of yourself. That's better equipped to, to deal with the, the burdens of the world, to deal with the challenges of the world. So explain to me, talk a little bit about that. Cause when you, I mean, you said your, your wheelchair, it's a sign of suffering. It is, it's movement through suffering. It's up to the point to where you're moving so fast and you're back up to speed with everything else that it's not suffering anymore because mm. I mean, you're successful. And at 19, I mean, you've done more. I'm this kid, right? Elijah, man, you've done more in your, in the life you've been around 20 years old than most people do an entire one. You learn more in that, that amount of time than most that it's supposed to st- take a lifetime to learn that stuff, to get that regiment down. To, to, to be the, the better person, to be the betterment of everybody else. It's almost like God threw your whole life in front of you, right down on top of you, and then, then you have to go through life as an example. I bag my life up. I may still do the same routines every single morning from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. That's how I have to do it, to get up and down. How, how do you? I mean, starting in the morning. Which, you got to tell yourself something. You got to say something to yourself. You go to a certain spot. You, I mean, I, that's the way I do it. People always ask me, like, man, how do you get through? What do you do this? How'd you get there? I'm like, literally, it's a it's a second by second routine. And if any part of my day something jumps in front of it, then I'll deal with that. But then I try to get, I have my routine, so I know where to go back to. Yeah. So when I wake up in the morning, right, you know, uh, it's I guess the first challenge, right? It's like I got to get out of my bed and get into my wheelchair, and I do it by myself, right? I always want to remain as independent as I can. Um, and so I actually figured a way to get out of my bed. Um, the, the way it works is my wheelchair, it's a little bit higher than my bed, right? Which allows me to go from high to low. So I can just, you know, throw myself over into the bed when I'm getting into bed. But then it's like, okay, well, then I'm in my bed. So I'm lower than my chair now. So how do I get out of it? Well, I have a hospital bed. And what I realized is like the feet part, they lift up. And so I use the remote, I lift that up. So now it makes my bed a little bit higher than my chair. And then I slide myself over. And one of the things I do, which is, um, you know, one, one of your friends, David Goggins, he talks about, you know, self-talk, that voice inside your head. I do that a lot. I have to, you know, keep pushing and, and fighting. And, and I, you know, I'm talking to myself a lot to, to like motivate myself to overcome whatever I have to come. So like when it comes to getting out of the bed every single morning, you know, I'm telling myself, okay, you know, let's push, come on a little bit more, let's go. And uh, eventually, you know, just get in the chair and then go about my day. A lot of people think that the, the hardest part about staying motivated, about the sayings around here, I mean, I have it painted all over the walls. Like, team never quit, never quit. Like, man, I, you know, you must never quit. It's like, I have to tell myself that every day. Mm. That's why I put pictures up and everything to remind me. That's why I have people around me that they wear it on T-shirts. So when I'm looking at it, it's like, hey, no matter what you're doing, don't ever quit. Mm. And I find that the times that, I, that, and, that, that come along that are easy, no one ever wants to quit. It's actually the times when you wake up in the morning, you're tired, you're sick, and you don't feel like doing it, and you get up and you push yourself. That's where the growth happens. You, do, do you and your brothers, y'all still live around, y'all live together? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. We, uh, we, you know, I live with my parents and we live, we live all together and yeah. So when you, what's your day-to-day operation like? What do you do from, from, for everyday business? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of depends on the day, but, you know, generally, so I wake up um, and then, you know, uh, kind of, like I said, just kind of depends on the day. You know, sometimes I have media to do, like today I was about 4 a.m., um, doing an interview, um, with this news agency or whatever. And then, you know, if it's not doing that, then it's, you know, working on business stuff, um, 
working on my nonprofit or book related stuff, you know, responding to emails. It's just kind of general business type of stuff. And then the other days, you know, I go to physical therapy. I do a workout there, very intense for two hours. Uh, one's with occupational therapy and that's, you know, like my upper body arm and stuff like that. The other's, you know, the physical therapy and that's going to be like, you know, my core and legs and stuff like that. Um, you know, I try to exercise throughout the week to maintain what I have and to stay flexible. Um, and then I always, we always have, you know, a family dinner together and that's really nice. You know, I eat dinner with my parents and my brothers and, um, that's just really great. So it's kind of this, uh, depends on the day, but I try to stay as busy and productive as possible and just, you know, just keep moving forward. Well, yeah, because I mean, your books write themselves. I mean, you're a living motivational book. Every day that you have to get up, I'm, I'm serious. It's like all you have to do is have a, have a manual right there on your, by your chair and write about your day and then print that stuff out and people will read it. And I'm not kidding. That's the way, I mean, Goggins and, and, and all of our guys who you say have that, mental, that uh, inner monologue, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are thrown into hospitals and given medication to get rid of those. I mean, they say there's, you know, they're schizophrenic or psychopaths. And I mean, yeah, that, that, that does exist. But then there's some of us down here, man, those voices are those motivational things. It's like people that you hear, you recognize their voice. They say certain things that when, when, you're, when you're in certain times and you're going through certain emotions, when you hear that voice, everything switches on. You're like, oh, all right, I know where I'm at. I know exactly where I'm at if that dude's talking to me, right? That's how, I, that's how we have to stack it. And that's why they're there. That's why God puts them there. I mean, and every day you get up and it, to, to get to just to start your day, you know, you're going there is different than everybody else. That in itself is tough. But the motivation that you have that, to keep pushing, that'll just that'll do nothing but grow. That's, that's all you can do is just keep growing. And think about it like that. We don't get weaker, we get stronger. You don't get battle weakened, you get battle hardened. Mm. I mean, everything is for a reason. Even your vessel that you got put into. If you got put into the one that's to sharpen your mind, then that, that's, the, that's the burden you have to carry. And it's not a burden, actually. It's, it, that in itself is a gift. Because like, somebody else had to carry this and go through that to earn that, to learn that. But people like, like yourself, you got to be around, man. I have to be able to see something to be like, man, no matter what I think I got, he's got something too. And he's taking that hit. I mean, Elijah's got that one for us. That's how we look at it. That's how I look at it. That, in it, that, that motivates me and, and, and I hope it motivates you. Like, man, you need to get your ass up out of bed because I need something to look at. <laughs> I need something to keep me going. <laughs> don't think for one second that's not the case. I don't care if you're young or not. A lot of times, the, some of the best motivation comes out of you young ones. Because y'all don't even know what you're getting yourself into yet. You just don't even know, but you keep going. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You make it seem so easy, though, Elijah. So it, obviously it couldn't have always been that easy. When you first kind of got the news and, and you were first kind of getting into it, I'm sure a lot of things changed when you got into the wheelchair at school and relationships, friendships. How did you handle that moment? Yeah, I mean, there's there's different stages. Like, So when I was officially diagnosed when I was six, um, you know, I didn't really think too much of it. I just thought, well, now I have a name to the problem. Like, I can tell people you know, this is why I walk on my toes. Like I, di- I didn't really think too much of it. I, di- I didn't know it was coming. Right. When I was 11, you know, going in the wheelchair, that, that really shook me up. Like I remember the first day I really shook me up. I, I didn't, you know, I don't like special attention. I don't want people to feel sorry for me. I hate when people feel sorry for me. Right. I, I, I'm not into that thing. Um, and I remember this little kid, you know, we're all fourth graders, whatever he, we walk outside the classroom because they wanted me to still walk a little bit to try and maintain as much strength as I could. So I parked my chair outside the classroom. Um, and when recess uh, began, he, we go out and he walks past the chair and he says, Hey, Elijah, is that yours? And that really broke me um, a little bit right there because, you know, I, I didn't want to, I was basically having to admit now and accept reality that, yeah, that that's mine. When, when the wheelchair was first delivered to our house, I would walk past it every single day on my tippy toes. And I would say, I'm not going to use it. And I was, I was determined. Like I was never going to use this chair. I was, I was talking, you know, some crap to my parents and like, I'm never going to use this thing. I don't even know why you guys got it. I'm not going to walk forever, you know, because I'm just stubborn like that. I'm stubborn on wanting to do what people say I can't do, um, you know, in in a positive way. And then when I was 15, now when when I was 15, that's when, that's when I learned everything that's going to, that's going to come with this disease. When I was 15, I was at a fundraiser for, for the muscular dystrophy. And I'm looking through this booklet, you know, waiting for, for the fundraiser to start. And, and I'm looking through this booklet and at the end of the booklet, it talks about the shin and it talks about, it's a muscle wasting disease and it's okay. Nothing new. And then it says that most patients lose their ability to walk at 11, nothing new. You know, I'm sitting in my wheelchair reading this. And then it mentions that patients will lose mobility in their arms. And I thought, well, no, like, I, I can't imagine that. Like, that sounds terrible, right? You know, someone that's really into, like I said, throwing the football around, um, playing catch with my friends, playing basketball. I couldn't imagine that. But then it got worse. I keep reading. And then it says that most patients pass away when they're 25. That's the average lifespan. And I remember just like holding my breath thinking, whoa, like I never, I never thought about dying, like, like seriously until this point in my life. And I realized, wait, this disease is fatal. I thought maybe this is a mistake. Maybe this is a mistake. I keep reading it. It made me accept reality. It said that, well, it attacks the diaphragm, attacks the heart. And, you know, I, you know, you know, I'm someone that likes to think logically. And I thought, well, that makes sense. If it's a muscle wasting disease, these are muscles, you know, those are going to get wasted away as well. And I thought, well, that's crazy. And then I, and then I read, then I read the disease is incurable. And to me, I thought, oh, okay. So you're saying it can't be cured. And, and, you know, like I said, I like when people challenge me, I said, okay. And I was getting really interested in business at the time. And I didn't know what I wanted to do yet, but I thought, you know, why, why don't I start something right now to do something about this? Like, why don't I use my, my love for business? and try and do something to, to cure this disease. You know, they say, I can't do it. Let's see what I can do about it. Let me, let me try and get in here and do things differently. Let me be, you know, the difference. And, and I thought, you know, why, why do I have to be old? Like, I never understood. Why do you have to be 25 or 30 to do something great? Why can't you be great at 15? And that's, I seriously believe that. And so I later went on that day and like the next week, I 
started a nonprofit. You know, I got all the legal paperwork. I got um, the board of directors, got all the people together, started coming up with branding, created the logo myself, uh, created, you know, the social medias, everything, and just started putting things together. And as, as time went on, it's becoming a more and more established organization. But that's how the organization came about. Um, and, but that's kind of how I handled the shin throughout my life, you know, different stages. I took it differently, but, but na- nowadays the way I'm taking it is like, I see this as something bigger than just having a disease. I see this as an opportunity to help everybody else with their adversity because everybody has some type of adversity. And, and I'm someone that really believes that um, adversity is an opportunity, right. To improve your character. And I, be- and I believe your character is the most important thing that you have because you need character under any circumstance. If you're healthy, you need good character to use it well. If you're not in good health, you need good character to endure all the challenges you're going to have. If you're rich, you need good character to be a good steward of your money. If you're poor, you need you know good character to, to get through it through the tough financial times. So like good character is good under all circumstances. So um, someone should really prioritize their character. And, and, and I think really the best way to to improve your character, to exercise it is, is adversity. So I, I see this whole disease and, and the situation I'm in is something much bigger than just the disease, but I see it as like something to help everybody just become a, a better, you know, version of themselves. That's just tougher, stronger, and more resilient. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, buddy. Well, you're, you're definitely a prime example of what it's, it's like, it's, it's like to, to live the life that you're born into. Because a lot of people try to get they're they're born into a life that they don't want to they can't they don't want to live in it. Mm. They try to get out of it. But you, you it, remember, man, you picked this before you came down here. Like I'll go into that, Elijah. Your namesake says a lot about you. I don't know if you know the history on that name, but you're straight up badass. You, when you're carrying one of them titles, right? It's like I picked that to go in there to show you how much you can get done in that amount of time. Our brightest stars, they shine. They leave the most, the, the most indelible memories on us, man, when, they, when they, they go early. Some stars shine. They, they, they burn out early. Some, some last. Some of us have to stay down here for a long freaking time before we get anything right and we can leave something behind. <laughs> Serious. It's the spirit that's born inside of you. The vessel's one thing, man. It's just a, look at it in reverse cycle. Whatever's burning inside of you is, is so freaking... Uh, tremendous and hot and, and burns with such a fury that it, it eats your body up. That's how you have to look at it. It's in that capacity because there's other, it goes the other way with other people. Sometimes their body will eat up on the inside. I mean, it's, it's, everything's different. We're all different. No one's as, I mean, everyone is as unique as their fingerprint. No one's the same height, same color, anything like that, man. I mean, we have similar paths, but different. And as you're going through it, I mean, at, at, at the rate you're going, I mean, look what you've accomplished. Like I said, it's amazing. It's almost that pressure in itself, like uh, like a diamond's formed through coal. It just pre- it just keeps squeezing and squeezing and squeezing you, man. And that's basically what's happening to you. Your soul and the inside of you, man, it's just getting pressure. It's getting squeezed. And every time that happens, man, you get you get brighter and brighter and smarter and smarter. Mm-hmm. So now, I mean, it's easy to and people. I tell you what, the worst thing is it's it's the people we run into because they'll sometimes they 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 don't understand what what's going on, on the inside, so they. They just see the outside and like, man, I feel sorry for everything that you're having to go through. I'm like, don't be. I'm past that. <laughs> we already passed the pressure zone, right? Once that mind breaks open and you start pushing and thinking, then, then everything I have to go through up until the time I leave is worth it. We're all on the clock. We're all on it. The minute you check it, the minute you're born, you, you got to learn how to live while you're dying. We're all going through that. Mm. You know, and, and 
service to your fellow man is the rent you pay to live on earth. However long you're down here. And don't think for one second, man, everything that you're having to go through teaches somebody. Like when we cast, put this thing out on the, on the net, man, it's just, it puts it into perspective. And you, you can't appreciate it. You never can appreciate how hard and, uh, your life has been and what it, it teaches everybody else. That's, that's the thing that gets overlooked. That's the thing. Most things teachers don't tell you that, you know, it's, it's hard to hear that. But the minute someone tells you you're not the right person for this job, that's how you know you're in the right spot. It's almost as if it's the magic word, like please and thank you. You throw those out. And then that one's the one you want to hear too. Like you ain't the right person for this job. All right, cool. I know I'm in the right spot because I can earn my way up and learn. So every day that you get up, man, you keep pushing with that. Never stop. Because you got your, I mean, your siblings. You said you're, you're, he's 14 years old? Yeah, my brother Kai, he's 14 years old. What's he want to do? What's the, what's the other one do you said? Yeah, what's he want to do? What's he doing? Oh, what's he want to do? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I mean, he's in middle school. He's real, you know, into art and, and stuff like that. He likes to play video games, you know, just a typical 14-year-old. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's 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 how he is. Y'all get along? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. We talk all day. He's always asking me questions. He always likes to pick my mind. Um, I'm someone that's real philosophical and like ask questions and into, into that type of thing. So he's always asking me questions and what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And, you know, and I love to teach him and, and I, and I see myself as like a leader to him, right? Like I had to go through this disease first. And so I get to teach him all the stuff that I'm learning and, and how to view it in the certain mindsets that he needs to develop so that he can go through it as well. And, and, and I think honestly, he's handling it great. I mean, he's so positive. He never even talks about the wheelchair. He doesn't feel sorry for himself. He, you know, he, he doesn't really. Oh, that's because you don't. That's because you don't. Yes. That's what that is. Absolutely. You got something to look up. If, if somebody's carrying the same thing you are and they're whatever direction they're carrying it, you'll follow it, especially in the beginning. I do have this question. Has, does, has he managed to have a skill set or figure out something, some way to do something a lot easier and cooler than you did? Because that's usually a thing. When you pass down a skill set, they modify it a little bit to make it better. Is he, is he doing that yet? Um. Because the tricks are the best. Everyone has a trick for something. I've, I've, I've kind of figured that out, man. Yeah. Like there's the common routine and then there's the way you modify it. I don't know if he's done anything new, but I mean, he, everything, all my, you know, my tricks of like using gravity to, you know, get right, 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 yeah. high to low, he's, he's, he's perfected that, which is, which is great because that allows you to be super independent. I mean, with the bathroom, with the shower, with getting out of bed, you know, complete independence there. So he's mastered that pretty good. Um, so that that's great that he's done that. Well, I mean, I never heard it said like that, but it made me think that's, that's true, man. Because the way you have to use angles, the way you maneuver around and the way you have to get uh, the up and down and things that you can't use, the angles that you have to use are completely different from somebody who has to use, the, has to use legs. Right. Cause you're on the wheels all something kind of like driving a car and trying to, to go in the cupboard at the same time and do stuff. Yeah. Mm, yeah. If you don't mind me asking you this, the other brother you lost, did you lose him from DMD? Yes, Max. So Max was 14 when he passed away. He officially, um, uh, you know, he was, he was officially, you know, passed away from Duchenne. But Max had other health complications as well. I mean, when he was born, he had open heart surgery uh, because there was something wrong with his heart and they wanted to repair it. And the surgery had like a 99% success rate or something like that. Nothing bad should have happened, but it did. And it, it led to him being cognitively delayed. It led to him being blind, not able to speak, needing a feeding tube. 
And he was basically confined to his bed his whole life. So he had a full-time nurse and stuff like that. And um, I grew up with him. So, I mean, we'd be going to the hospital, I mean, many times a year. And I'd be, you know, up all night till like 5 a.m. sleeping in the car while my parents went inside taking care of him. And so I'd be with my brothers in the car, you know, just trying to, you know, be good children because, you know, they're dealing with our brother who's possibly dying right now. And I mean, there's a, there's a lot of moments where Max like basically almost died, um, but didn't. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of my childhood is constantly going in and out of the hospital, not just for me, but for my other brothers. And it, and it's like true emergencies. Like I remember sometimes being asleep, right. I'd be asleep and I'd hear like these weird voices. And I'm like, that, that voice doesn't sound familiar. You know, that don't sound like my brothers or my, my parents. And then I'd hear like the, you know, like the machines or whatever, like the, you know, like what paramedics have. And I realized, oh, wait, my paramedics are here to take Max to the hospital again. So, you know, that, what that meant to me is, all right, let's get up. Let's go. Let's get in that chair. Like, it's time to go. Like, you know, we got to move because like every second counted with Max because he was very critical, very, um, very severe. So, you know, we, we had to move. And um, that, I mean, that happened a lot. That was really frequent. What are your parents' names? Uh, my, my dad's name is uh, Bill and my mother's name is Kelly. And, and I must add, my dad is a huge fan of yours. Um, so we have to like, nominate them for sainthood. Man. Exactly. They're saints. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about <laughs> like, I, I keep I was thinking the same not thing. Not to take anything away from you, bro. <laughs> but I mean, what great parents, right? No, absolutely. They're they're amazing. I mean, I um seriously, tell them I said hello, man, and thanks for putting the work in. And yeah, thank no, thank you too, will. man, while we're doing that. But seriously, that's the whole time you're telling me that I didn't a lot of things. Hey man, death runs with me. We're we're like partners. Everything dies around me eventually too. So I mean, I I, I kind of have an insight onto that, and to go through that at a young age is tough. Like your brother probably needs you more than you can even imagine. I know you need him, and parents, you know, by, they need all. You know, you kind of it's a family dynamic like that, and sometimes they can separate you, but most of other times they always bring you all together. I mean, in those moments, I mean that that's that's when your greatest strengths come out. So tell them, man, thanks for, for from this side to y'all that for putting going through that. Like I said, not not many people can. A lot of people give up. Like if anybody deserved to be in on team never quit, man, it's y'all. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I mean, we got you now. Like I said, I got your file right here. You can't go anywhere. I know where you live. <laughs> 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 and although I may be the slowest runner on planet Earth, <laughs> I can still get to you. <laughs> Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 
Elijah, what has y'all's nonprofit been able to accomplish? I mean, you started it when you were 15, roughly, and you're 20 now, so it's been around for five years, give or take. What have you guys been able to uh, accomplish so far? Yeah, so one of my major priorities from the start was to bring awareness to this disease and make it more uh, well-known, but more importantly, more cared about, right? And so that's really where my main focus has been is bringing that awareness to it um, because most people don't even know what the disease is. They never heard of it. And so really what I'm trying to do is get people to care about the disease. And then I think money will follow um, to advance gene editing and gene therapy into human practice. That's something I'm really, really passionate about, really excited about. We did help uh, make a donation one time to science to, um, to do a study with relating to gene editing and gene therapy, which was pretty cool. Um, but you know, I want to do a lot more. My main focus has been that awareness. And, and right now what I'm trying to do is make this disease a mainstream known disease. So, so thank you guys for, you know, having me on your podcast. Um, this is helps bring, bring awareness to the disease, um, and hopefully motivate and inspire people as well with their adversity, but helps bring awareness to this disease. And I'm hoping to get on other podcasts and other TV shows and whatever, just any, anywhere that I can get a platform to talk about all the things I'm talking about today and, and, and bring awareness to this disease. That's, that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm trying to be like the, the magic Johnson, uh, but for Deshen, you know, magic Johnson, he, when he was diagnosed, he got rid of AIDS. Yeah. He, you know, magic's magic. That's magic Johnson. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. That dude, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's inspiring to me that, you know, that's just one man and look at what he was able to do for, for that. And so I'm hoping that I can be that same type of person, but, but with, with Deshin and I feel like, you know, with my, I'm trying to use my talents and skills um, to best serve the Deshin community and, and, and try and make a, a real difference there. So what I, what I want to see at the end of the day is um, the disease cured. And I think that we're really, really close to doing that. You know, we, I talk to scientists all the time, you know, we're, we're, we're really, in my opinion, entering the golden age of medicine. You know, I mean, you're talking about being able to edit your DNA, right? And so it's like all these genetic diseases, not just the shin, you know, it's basically the cause of a spelling error. And if we can edit it, like it's a word document, you know, we can basically cure any, any genetic disease. And, and that's just fascinating to me. And so I'm trying to do everything I can in my power to help accelerate that process and, and get it here faster. So we could save, save people's lives. Now, have you taken stem cells? I have not taken stem cells. No. Have you looked into that? I, I have looked into it. I think it's very interesting. Um, I know some people with Deshen that have, done that but i don't know i don't know enough about it you know to make a i was just curious as the correlation if they have if it had been introduced to that or not yeah i, I think stem cells personally uh, you know i'm not a scientist but personally i think that one day we'll be able to use stem cells to repair muscle loss so all the muscle loss that we oh have, sure they're already yeah. doing that there, there's yeah. there's some first of all if you can watch if we can watch it on tv like if someone can think it up like if we yeah. can imagine it we'll we'll we'll, we'll create it that's the beautiful thing about being human. If for if we can come up with that in our heads, then then that's that's the blueprint, and that's already out there. And you see that for the way they repair us military guys. Most of, I mean, I'm titanium on the inside. My guys that, that missing arms and legs. It's just a matter of time before those those prosthetics are back and make them twice as strong. Mm, mm. What usually gets broken is the mind and the spirit that they can't. They don't want to. They think if they miss something else, that it takes away from everything else, but it doesn't. It's actually when you put 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 something back on there and may, and, and and modify it, what, whatever's wearing, it's going to modify it, good or bad. And I heard a lady say, I was at a TED talk one time. I think it was a TED talk. Anyway, it's not important. But anyway, talk. she said, uh, technology will never be as slow as it is right now. 
this is a long time ago, and that's true. It just keeps speeding up. It gets faster and faster and faster. And when I was a kid, I remember, I mean, the futuristic Star Trek. That, I mean, if you could talk to your buddy on your watch on the, as a communicator, you knew you were in the future. That was outer space stuff. I didn't even have one of those watches, and we, we already have those. <laughs> you could pick up that iPhone. My kid can touch a picture, and it'll show up at the door when I open it. It's, when I open the door, it's sitting right there. That, that's our utopia. That's our paradise. When I was a kid, that's what I thought it would be like. It's here. I live in it. You younger ones were born into it, so you can't appreciate it, which means whatever's coming down the road for y'all is unbelievable. It's just a matter of how y'all put it together, and we keep y'all, my generation's got to keep y'all's ass in line. Because y'all, y'all, I'm not kidding, man. I watch, I watch the younger generation, and the COVID babies are completely different. Them suckers can climb up walls. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> They're already smart at four. So I'm excited to see what y'all do. You're, you're uh, an example of what's coming. That thing that you got strapped with, man, that, that, that burden you have to carry, will, will, not only does it cripple most people, but it cripples the person and what they carry. It didn't do that to you because you're different. Yeah, you can't break your mind or your spirit, man. And, and, that, and that in itself is, is an example of, to, should be an example to everybody older than us, what's coming. If you got the guy that them like that that have to go through that burden carrying that responsibility with this kind of motivation, stand by. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Elijah, I hate to put you on the spot here, but what's your greatest piece of never, never quit advice for the listeners? Yeah, well... You should write a book about... <laughs> yeah, you should write a book about it. <laughs> Like mornings with Elijah, coffee with Elijah. What do you, hey, bro, uh, tell me about your day so I can, I'll know that I'm having a good, you know, I get up and move my <laughs> well, ass. Um, well, I'll tell you this, right? Because I feel like every day is, you know, never quit day. But um, I have a story specifically, I think. And that is actually the title of the book, A Small If, right? So what happened was when I was 16 years old, my spine was starting to become more and more curved. And they wanted to put it, my doctors wanted to put a metal rod into my back to correct the scoliosis, right? And, I, you know, I didn't want that surgery. That sounds terrible. And so I remember going to my doctors and, he, and I get off the x-ray table. We, we look at the x-ray and he's telling me, yeah, you know, at, at this point, like, I'm going to have to really advocate today that you're going to have to have the surgery. And I'm like, well, no, I don't know. And then he, he's talking, you know, the specific, he's talking, okay, we'll do it during the summertime to avoid um, the flu season or whatever. So, you know, he's getting specific. He's talking about the, the doctors and stuff that the team will have. And I'm like, okay, he's, he's serious. And I look over to my left, my mom is crying. You know, my doctor hands her a tissue. I look at my dad. He's got his head down. That's what he does when he's sad. And I'm sitting here smiling. 
because I'm not accepting this at all. You know, I'm not having this surgery. So I'm going back and forth with my doctor and it's just, it's not really going anywhere. And then I asked him, I said, well, you know, if I was somehow able to reverse the current state of my spine, could I avoid having to have the surgery then? And he said, well, look, you know, it's never been done before. He's never heard of anybody doing it. He said, it's basically a medically impossible. He doesn't want to give me any false hope. And he said, you know, as your doctor, I got to really put my foot down and advocate for you to have the surgery. But he says, because I know you and your character, I will give you a small if. And I thought, ah, oh, there it is. That's all I need to hear. Bam, right there, if. yeah. And so he says, okay, small if. So I said, you know, let's go to physical therapy or whatever. So he signed, you know, he writes me a prescription, physical therapy, whatever. And so for the next three months, I would go to physical therapy and I would work like crazy. I mean, sometimes they'd be stretching me on the mat and it would hurt so bad. You know, I mean, they're, they're pulling really tight muscles. They're straight. They're literally pulling my back to strain. It's like being on the rack, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I literally, they, um, they put me on this machine and, 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 you know, give my, I've been sitting since I was 11 that would make me basically like stand up in some sense. And that, I mean, that really pulls things up and they kind of hurt. Um, but I would just bite down on my shirt and, and suck up the pain because I wanted to reverse my back and have, and avoid the surgery more than I cared about the pain in the moment. Like that was my motivation. That's what I was telling myself the whole time there. So, no, we're going to do this. And, and I'm also the type of guy, I call it rocket fuel in my book that if somebody doubts you and they say you can't do it and you believe you can, that's free motivation. That's free motivation to go after it and to get it done. Like I love when people doubt me and they say, you can't do it. It's like, Oh, let's bet on it. I'm going to go do it now. Like you're giving me free motivation. Sure, sure. Well, you, I had, okay, you know what that means, ahead. right? That means they can't do it. You're right. No, people. That, that's what if, 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 if you're not aware of that, that's they can't do it. That's the doubt. That's where it comes from, because it's not in you. And I have people say all the time, they're like, hey, man, you can't do that. I'm like, no, you can't. Yeah. I, I can. <laughs> that, and there, there's a huge difference. I always know that the minute someone says, man, you can't. I was like, well, that obviously means they can't. <laughs> I love that. I love it. That's true. No, people always project their insecurities. Absolutely. It's the first thing out of their mouth. Yeah. Uh, Never forget that. Write it down if y'all didn't know it. That's a true statement. It's true. It's true. And I mean, people have been doing that to me, you know, my whole life saying, oh, you can't do this or that. You're in a wheelchair or whatever. And it's like, well, you probably couldn't do it because you're not, you know, because you couldn't do it if you were in a wheelchair, but don't mean I can't. Right. So, but, but anyways, um, with, with my, the, the, uh, the story, right. With my spine, um, I, not only that, like, you know, I was doing everything I could to, to try and get my spine to be straighter. I mean, I was, I even taught myself how to cook because I thought, well, losing weight and trying to slim down would relieve some of the pressure off my back. So I, um, uh, what's the inversion? Myself, like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just out of curiosity, like an inversion table where, uh, where your feet are in the, in the, uh, clamped in this, I have one in the, in the thing right now yeah, yeah, yeah. where you swing upside down. Have you seen that, that inversion chair? You lay on well, it, your feet clip, oh, you feet clip into it, it swings about. upside down, it stretches your spine out. Mm, mm, do they do that? Do you do that during physical therapy? No, we didn't do anything like that. It was more just like, you know, laying on the mat or like this, like, I don't know how to explain. It's like this training like pulls you up. Um, but that's, those are like the two main things I did. And then a lot of core strengthening and stuff like that. Cause it was like, got to strengthen those muscles to, to strengthen my spine. That was like our, that was our theory at least. And, um, but yeah, but is that anyways, what's happening? The, are the muscles, are they contracting and, and contorting your spine or is it just deteriorating and, and like something, when it deteriorates, it folds up. It's more of the deterioration. Okay. Check. All right. And, roger that. So the stretching think, and all that, that just activates it, but it doesn't really stop it from what, from the deterioration from happening. That, right. That's true. That's true. But you know, the muscles that are still there, like, you know, they could be, you know, strained now and maybe strengthened and yeah. that could be enough to make it, you know, straighter than, 
Okay, so there is do. still life in them. It's just the atrophy is stronger than the growth cycle. And if you do, oh wow, uh, that's what I. That's what All I right, think. I, okay, I understand. You know, I don't want to you know speak too much on the side because I don't I don't know. No, no, no. But that, that kind of that kind of makes sense. So yeah. the, the power that yeah. that's that's going against it is stronger than what the muscles are normally used day to day activity to stay healthy. So you would have to basically you'd have to work out three times as hard just to have a normal life because it's it uh, the atrophy eats it up so fast. Right, and and then and that's the thing about working out too. Like you know, a lot of people work out because they want to look good and I want to impress somebody, or whatever. And that that's fine, that's fine. You know, I'm all about being healthy, or whatever. But like when it comes to the shin, it's like I kind of don't have a choice. I have to work out to 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 survive, to yeah. stay alive, to sure. keep going. And then health uh, and everything else is a byproduct of it, of the good, the good looks and all that that come with it, most people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess going, so we, I taught myself how to cook, uh, you know, to lose weight or whatever. So like, you know, you'd see me in the kitchen, <laughs> driving my wheelchair in one hand, carrying the pan in the other hand and literally stirring up, you know, like chicken and rice and like, um, asparagus and like all this, so I, I, I meal prep, so I, you know, make that or whatever. Um, and, and I mean, I would even, I would even, I hung a picture of my spine, my crooked spine on my wall. So I would see it every morning when I wake up, I'd look at it and I'd say, yeah, you know, I, I'm visualizing this being straighter. Right. And, you know, I, it, it kind of set the tune for the day. Like, this is what I need to do. Like, this is like the type of mindset I got to be, and I got to be focused on this. And so I, I worked really hard for three months, ended up going to my doctor's and we did the x-ray and I was confident that it was straight. Like I was like very, very confident that I pulled it off. And so I got off the x-ray table and I mean, I, I wish I could have seen myself cause I probably was uh, looking different that day in the dark office Cause I was like fired up, you know, I'm raised by a head football coach. So, you know, I had like that, that athlete mindset in me of like, you know, like someone like Kobe Bryant or someone like Michael Jordan, like just intensity. Like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, like shout I, out to Kobe. I I'd like to throw out another shout out to Kobe as well. I love that man. <laughs> yeah. Rest in peace, brother. And and so, anyways, I go into the the room. The doctor comes in. He looks at the X ray, and my spine is straighter. And so he gives me knuckles. Like, yeah, you you pulled it off. You did it. And, and that was it. And so, like, all I needed was a small lift. I just needed that possibility. You know, I just needed to know. Oh, yeah, it's possible, and that there was an option. If there's an option two, I'm going to make option two work. Well, that's and, that's um, the option. That's that becomes the option. Yeah. Never forget that. I mean, uh, I can freaking rod around like that. It goes up my spine. It's just like that. I keep these suckers around just to remind me. It also reminds you how hard you are. I mean, you can take that. The best thing I, and the one thing I love about going into the hospitals, because when team guys get messed up, I mean, when you, you, if you get hurt, you want to get hurt bad enough. So you do go into the hospital so you can go see the nurses, the ninjas. God, we love them, man. When they start patching you up, there, there's, there's nothing like it. Really? Sometimes you, man, you put out so hard that when you do get hurt, when you go, when, when you go for the ride and you go into the hospital and the doc's like, man, look, look, I've been checking your levels, man. This sucker's out of control. This one's off the charts high. I've never even seen numbers like this. You're like, great, new standard. Write it freaking down, okay? Because this is the type of man that does that. You're the type of man that sets that standard. When the doc's like, nah, you can't do that. You can't straighten your spine. All right, I'm going to go out and do it. So the next dude that comes in here behind me, like my little brother, don't tell him that he's going to die or he's not going to be able to live because all that comes from the doctor who's telling you that. You should run across some of them team guide docs we have, man. They'd be like, suck it up. You're going to live. Don't worry. Make a good one. That kind of thing. <laughs> Any doctor that tell you you can't do something, there'll be one out there that can't tell you that you can. And then there'll be an example of it. 
of, of what can be done. You're the, you're an example of that. I'm sorry, I just had to say that. Keep going. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I mean, that's I, I appreciate that, and that that's that's true. Um, you know, a lot of times when people say this or that, you know, like go be that new standard. You know, I, I love that. I like I love setting the you know things be like like for example. I mean, I, I'm actually really big on that. Now that I think about it, because it's like you know, I'm 20 years old. And I'm trying to do great things right now for a 20 year old. I'm trying to do great things for a disabled person, even though I don't see myself as a disabled person. You know, I recognize I have a disability or whatever. I told you, you, know, you don't I, have a disability. You have a distinct ability. You have okay, a distinct I like ability. That. You know, I got to start using that. Distinct Good. It's ability. all yours. I've been saving it for a long time for you to show up. It's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that. Uh, but, but yeah, no, I set a new standard for what it means. You know, what it, what it means. It's like, what can you accomplish at this age with, all things going against me. What can you do? And I want to set that new standard. I want to show people like, it doesn't really matter. You could still be great no matter what. And um, so, yeah, but that's, that's my spine surgery. So like my advice there is really what you got to do. You got to first find the possibility. That's something that is possible. Like, so if you're, if you're going against a lot of adversity, first figure out how it's possible that you can overcome this. Right. And, and maybe you got to get really creative. Like sometimes it seems impossible to do. You just got to find the small possibility, right? You got to find the small if. And then I think after that, it's like, you got to go work hard and you got to, and you got to visualize. I think visualizing is something that is really underrated. Like it lets you see and map things out. I mean, you first, you know, create it in your imagination. Then you go and create it in reality. You, you create it twice. Sure, right? Absolutely. What I'm saying. And, you manifest and, um, it. Yeah. You manifest it. Right. Basically. Right. Um, you know, and I, and I don't mean like, you know, it's some weird woo woo thing, but more of like, you know, like you just see it. Like I see. That's myself. not weird. That's not a woo woo thing. Anyways, anybody says that's not educated on how it works. That, that's how we're trained. So if you got that, that's good. I had to go learn that. Mm-hmm. You had that as a gift. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Um, but, but so you do that and then you got to work really hard too. Cause you know, you, you got to put in the effort to do it. Um, and, and that's what I think I would say to people that are, are going through a lot of challenge or adversity is like, you know, find the possibility visualize it and then go work really hard and then it'll happen. Right. It'll happen. All right. Elijah, here's the deal on you. Some people have to come down here and be the groundbreakers. Some people have to get put into that life that, that everyone's suffering in just to see the path out of there. And you just said that and you're exactly right. And then the work hard part is because there's no trail. Your ass out there having to clean out all that brush and all the mechanisms and just that, that manifestation of whatever's in your head. Whatever you're seeing, you're only seeing pieces of it right now, apparently. And that's by design because you're only you're 20. First 40 years of your life, man, that, that's the hard part. So if you condense yours up, it's like, man, you're you're here for a short amount of time or a long amount of time, but whatever, however long you're here, you're cutting the path for everyone to, to fall in behind you to get to the to solve this issue. Because anybody who says they're wanting to solve the problem, I'm like, why would you want to solve the problem? Wouldn't it still be a problem? I was like, man, let's fix the damn, you know, or, or fix the problem. You don't want to fix the problem either. You want to get, lay the problem out, hear all the variables, and get rid of it to where it's not even around anymore. And the people that do that, then they come in like you do. They don't come in where everybody can see them and everything. Man, they come in just like you do, through it. Like, buckle up, man. We're just going to have to go through it. Hmm. So lead by example. And you're leading so fast, man, they put you on wheels. So do it in style, brother. You know, I mean, we're running in chaos. We're together. You're down here. You're in team never quit because, man, you don't have that in you. Obviously, I picked that up quick. So, man, just keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Elijah, what what can our listeners do to support you on your journey and kind of what you've got going on? Yeah, I mean, a great way to help me, you know, you could you could buy the book, A Small If. It's on Amazon. 
Um, you could follow me on social media at Elijah J. Stacy, um, you know, Instagram, Twitter, uh, wherever. And uh, that would be a really great help for people to just get on board or whatever, because like, you know, I'm trying to get my message out there more. I'm trying to get, you know, build, build that platform out because really everything I do is like for service to other people. Like I just want to help people and share my message of, you know, overcoming adversity, trying to raise funds to cure this disease things like that. And it's like, you know, I just need a bigger platform, a bigger microphone. Um, and so, you know, building that following and, and getting people to know my story, you know, reading my book, stuff like that. Um, that'd be a great, great help. I will definitely do that. I, I would like to have one of those signed by you. And here's what, if somehow, some way you could get that, throw some ink on the ground, roll over that with a tire and then roll over the page that you signed for me. So you rolled over that small lift. I've been thinking oh, about yeah. that the whole time. That's how I want to know you actually signed it for me. Roll over that sucker with that chair like you're rolling over life. I will do that. Will you do uh, that for me? first. Yeah, I'll well, hey, man, I'm the weirdest. You can't even believe what I am, man. <laughs> <laughs> I come up with some crazy stuff, but when people ask me that, I'll have a great story to tell them, and I'll tell them about you for sure. And, man, we'll do everything we can to, to – uh, to get this thing out there, especially to our team, and then they'll, they'll, they'll definitely cover down on our end, man. But thanks for coming in and, and uh, telling us about yourself. And check in, man. We'll check in with you. If you need anything from our end, if we can be any help, please don't hesitate. I appreciate that so much. Thank you so much for having me today. You bet, man. God thanks, bless you. Have a good holidays. day, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. If you like today's episode, make sure to share it with a friend. Make sure you guys support Elijah, everything he's got going on. What an incredible story. And he is just kind of early on in his story at only 20 years old. If you haven't already, make sure you have subscribed on YouTube where every single week we drop the episodes in video format. We are almost up to 100,000 subscribers. I'm hoping to hit that goal very soon. We hope you guys can come back next week and listen to another episode. Until next time, never quit. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.